ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. Joe George, the assistant to the regional manager behind the glass. And it is a Tuesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. It is a huge day. It's Taco Tuesday. It is a Taco Tuesday in our fair city. Today's one of my favorite sports days in the year, to be completely honest with you, Blankers. Different whenever you're in the race versus when you're not in the race. But trade deadline day has always been one of my favorite days on the sports calendar. So we'll be bringing to you every single trade. Now, we're not going to sit here and like break down the Chicago Cubs trading for a middle reliever. But every single trade that happens today, we'll at least mention it on our airwaves. I, I can't tell you, Jeremy, and I, we've talked about it a little bit in the past, I think. But working in the NBA, it was the same way. Trade day was just unbelievable. Everyone in the office, everyone around the organization, did you hear anything yet? Did they do anything yet? Anybody anybody heard that they might be close? What's the latest rumors? It's the same thing with baseball. It, it, when you love your team and you're passionate about them doing something, like you said, it means something when you're actually in the thick of things from a competitive standpoint. But you're hanging on a thread with every tweet and with every baseball insider that's putting something out there, hoping your team is doing something to give them one last player or two that allows them to make a bigger push at the end of the season. And now with some of the moves we've seen with the teams in the division and around baseball, you hope the Astros have been biding their time and, and trying to work out a deal. You're hearing Verlander a lot, but whatever that Dana Brown is working on, you hope a deal or two comes through today before 5 o'clock. Verlander's the obvious big name, and we'll keep our eyes on it. You know, latest reports, things like that. Apparently, they've been talking. Apparently, the, the Mets are asking for a lot. Maybe the Astros don't like the price, but still five hours before the Major League Baseball trade deadline. We'll talk plenty about the trade deadline, any trades that do happen, but there was a baseball game yesterday. If, if a game happens on July 31st, hours before the trade deadline. Did it actually happen? It did. Uh, the Astros with a come-from-behind effort. They went at 7-3. to Rangers had an off day ahead of their series that begins tonight against the White Sox. So the Astros pull within a half game of the American League West. This is the first time in a very long time, probably early in the year, where the Astros are capable of taking first place all by themselves. No tie, no tiebreaker. Astros win today, Rangers lose today, now against the White Sox. The Astros could be in first place by the time we put our head to pillow uh, tonight. But yesterday's game, J.P. France, I think, is the story. You had the offensive surge there in the sixth inning, which we'll talk about. Uh, But J.P. France continues to dominate. <laughs> you didn't expect to hear that at the start of the season. He's now 7-3, and 285 ERA. His numbers, Blankers, in the month of July, 4-0, 230 earned run average in five July starts. Jonathan Patrick, again, excels for the Houston Astros well, last night. And you take it a step further, Jeremy, and you say that the graphic they put up last night several times, which was since June 1st, he has the third best ERA in the American silly. League. Behind silly. Behind Garrett Cole and the, the guy that just Savali. went to Tampa Bay, Savali. You look at that and you say... You expected that to be Fromber. There was an outside shot that it could have been Javier. You were hoping that Hunter Brown was going to stay on this progression to be maybe one of those guys. But instead, a guy that you really didn't even factor into your major league roster at the start of the year is a guy that's been kicking ass, taking names, and basically keeping you in it from a starting uh, pitcher position for, for this team all season long since he made his debut in Seattle. He's been fantastic. He settled down after giving up a two-spot in the second inning. 
another quality start. He's been unbelievable. That might be the worst siren I've ever heard. We got to change it? We don't like yeah, it? Yeah, I don't think I like that siren. Do you like that siren? No. I didn't like that siren. Okay, we'll find something else. Well, we, we, have have plenty, we have plenty of time to figure out a better siren. Is this... Is this- uh, this Mr. Is, Hand. That's the uh, no. That one happened before. Brad Hand was traded from the Rockies to the Braves. Braves. Under good, solid move. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Brad Hand was yeah, the guy that you liked. Yeah, I liked. And, uh, yeah, I liked, and the Braves got him for a Double A prospect. The San yeah. Diego Padres are finalizing a trade to acquire left-handed pitcher Rich Hill. Who? 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 The San Padres. Diego Padres. Padres are acquired. Why? They're I thought getting, they'd be sellers. They were. The, they were rumored. The Astros were second. Best odds to get Soto, like yeah, they were going to unload was, Soto. Uh, that was weird. I don't Garbage. know what that was all about. Uh, the Padres are getting Rich Hill and G-Man Choi from the Pirates. That's a weird trade. Like, Rich Hill's got an ERA that's flirting with five. That's, that's a weird trade. What G-Man Choi at least hits right. He's okay. He hits garbage cans when he's trying to be funny, too, and I don't like him because of it. But, yeah, he really, since he left the Rays, has yeah. been... No, nothing to speak of. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a mid trade. Busy says uh, y'all do not like. We said Branham does not like the purge siren. That was the purge siren. How are we feeling the about the purge? Can, can Joe continue using the purge no, he siren? Cannot. Find a different noise. I mean, we're we're a show of the people. If the, if the people like it, then we can put our feelings towards it aside, et cetera, et cetera. Well, maybe not hide our feelings, but continue to do it. I don't know. Um, back to JP France, G Main Choi, G Mid Choi, and uh, Rich over the hill traded to the Padres. Weird trade for the, for the Padres to make. Uh, but uh, JP France continuing his dominance. You mentioned the graphic that they showed, like the ERA yeah. leaders since June first. If if you went into a coma before the start of the regular season and you woke up yesterday and you saw that graphic, you would have thought that it was a movie. Like this random guy by the name of Jonathan Patrick France is in the conversation with Garrett Cole and Savali is the best pitchers in the American League since June 1st. It's, it's bizarre. One thing that I've kind of been noticing with J.P. France you know, one thing, we talked a lot about this the last time he pitched, that he pitches to soft contact. He doesn't overwhelm you with strikeouts, although he did have a pretty high strikeout total yesterday, uh, striking out six and seven innings. His pitch mix is fantastic. And I think it, it makes him very difficult to hit for lefties and righties. He's got five pitches. He's got the four-seamer, he's got the cutter, he's got the changeup, he's got the curveball, he's got the sweeper. Four of those pitches are, like, above average. So, like, while one of those pitches might not be like excellent, maybe is not the best in all of baseball. Maybe he's not even like in the top ten percentile in all of baseball. His pitch mix and his ability to have a bunch of different stuff to a left-handed hitter to a right-handed hitter, based on the weaknesses and strengths of that particular hitter, I think that's one reason that JP France is having so much success. He's got a five-pitch mix, and all five pitches play. The other thing too, Jeremy, is the fact that, and again, it helps that he's a little older too in making when he got to the big leagues. But the fact of the matter is, he knows how to pitch. Because he knows on a given night when thing one of those two pitches or one of those five pitches isn't working or isn't as effective as it's been. He goes to what works. He mixes it up. He he's able to feel strongly about throwing almost any pitch at any time, and he can basically get through a, a start by realizing, hey, you know what, my sweeper's not working the way it normally does. But you know what, I can combat that because I can get I can start working, you know, the slider more, or I can start you know throwing the changeup more. But he pitches. You can tell he thinks through at bats, and he gets down to business throwing all of his pitches with command, and that's why he's been so damn effective. Yeah, he's uh, he's been unbelievable. It's been an unbelievable story, quite frankly. Like it's a it's a movie story. Uh, the JP France is amongst the leaders in American League ERA since. It's stupid. It's silly. Uh, Ryan Stanek was awful. Oh that was God, a was brutal it? outing for Ryan Stanek. I'm sitting there taking my notes during the game, and it was it was a four run game. 
going into the eighth inning, or it was about a three-run game. I can't remember. Let's see. It was five to two. It was five to two going into the eighth inning, and the Astros were about to score a run. And Ryan Pre- actually, they had a four-run lead for a moment in the eighth before they scored the second run. And one thing that I that I nitpick, and that's what we do on the show, especially me. I hate using Ryan Ryan Presley in four run games. I cannot stand it. Like we sit here and we we these guys are overworked. Dusty's using them a lot because he has no choice. These guys the the innings workload for these relief pitchers are way too high. But let's run them out there in a four run game. It, to me, it's contradicting the whole they're overworked. Well, then stop using them a four run game in the ninth. Well, they ended up taking a five run lead. So you bring in Ryan Stanek because it's a five run lead, and you're trying to save a Ryan Presley workload. And Ryan Stanek faces three hitters, and every single one of those son of a guns gets on base. That was an embarrassing outing by Ryan Stanek. I know the Astros won seven to three, a lot to be happy about. But one of the overlying themes with the Houston Astros bullpen this year has been that the high-leverage guys are overworked. Why? Because Ryan Stanley comes in in a five-run game in the ninth and can't get a single dude out. Ryan I heard, panic. I heard people My goodness. start saying he got squeezed a little bit. But you know what? It doesn't matter. When you're up five runs, you have a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, throw it. Throw it right down the middle if you have to and dare people to hit it. But the chances are when even the best hitters in baseball get th- a hit three times out of ten, Throw it. You're going to probably get outs, but at least you're not going to be giving away free passes or setting the table for guys to get hits. It was an embarrassment. It was terrible the way he threw, and then he looked like he had the red ass because Dusty was coming to get him. Well, the last thing Dusty was going to do was screw around and find a way to lose a game like they had done a couple times this season, screwing around in situations like that. So he had to go get a guy he didn't want to put in the game, and thankfully Presley was able to shut the door. But Stanek has got to be better, and that's... Part of the reason why they probably went and got a Graveman, because Stanek has been rocky. We know Montero hasn't been good, and the back of the bullpen has to be really good when you get down to the brass tacks of the playoffs. Yeah, he was awful. I like that nickname, Ryan Panic. And then if, it, if then the Stressley comes in, it's Panic and Stressley. <laughs> it's a good thing that Stressley was good yesterday. He, he was he was solid. Like I mean, that's a situation that's not great. Like you're entering with the you're still entering with the you know the the safe situation. The on deck guy was the the tying run, so you still had a little bit of leeway. But that's not a spot you want to come in. Bases juiced. Like he was good. It was good for Presley to put out that fire. But Stanick, embarrassing performance by Stanick. Five eight eight two, terrible outing. But the ump didn't do him any favors. You're there right, you and, and but, but Lankers is right too. Like, hey, you're seeing that zone the entire game. Like, stop nibbling. You have a you have a five run lead. Don't nibble. Challenge. Let them put the ball in play. Yeah, I mean, if it's the first two pitches in the at bat, and you're trying to get a guy to chase, and you're, you're you're on the corners a little bit, okay. But at the end of the day, throw your fastball, which is your best pitch, and you have a changeup too. But throw the fastball down the freaking middle if you have to and dare these guys to get around on it to try and do something with it you got a five-run cushion yeah that was that was bad by Stanek but uh, the Astros do win Yiner Diaz doesn't help out either a whole lot if we're being completely honest his framing ability might be his worst skill and look I want I want Yiner Diaz to catch as much as possible I want him to be in the lineup every single day his bat outweighs anything that he does defensively and quite honestly he's pretty good defensively his pop mm-hmm. time's really good he's got a cannon for an arm his framing is not good uh the fact that the Astros have Yiner Diaz for the next five years plus this one, I want the Robo Zone to come into play next year because Yiner Diaz' framing ability is not good. He like slaps at the ball. He doesn't present his the wrist. ball at all. Like he 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 quickly catches it and then pulls it back like into his chest. Yeah. Like hold it. Like I if lo- you think a ball's on the corner, his just wrist. catch it I and hold this. it. His hold wrist it. on the outside just kind of keeps sweeping with the ball. He's not a yeah, good framer. He, he, 
it's one thing he does have to work on his framing for sure. Because you're right, his pop times and his throws are really, really good. Why do you love this? Because like that's one of the things that for the last six months that I've been part of this show, Mm -hmm. that one of the takes you've been so adamant against Jeremy was no robo ums. No, that's not true. Or if you're going to do, oh no, 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 that's not true. He's always been a robo ump. I don't want the challenge system. I think the challenge system is flat out stupid. That you're operating a baseball game with two different strike zones is ignorant. Okay, that's fair. But I, I've, I have been slow for the robo zone. I would agree. But now you're all the way in. But I've, I've said for a while now. I've said for a long time that if you're going to do it, you go all the way. No half measures. Either you're all in with the human zone or you're all in with a robo zone. You shouldn't have two different strike zones in a single major league baseball game. It's silly. Yeah. What are we doing? It's it's a really fine line too about how you're gonna you're gonna do that and and especially like you said if the umpire's still gonna be behind the plate and the one thing I didn't like Joe when we saw it at the the Space Cowboys game is it's it's kind of confusing about when they are going to challenge it to do it and then it did go rather quickly but it did kind of stop everything in its tracks while people were watching and waiting and I'm like I just. I can't see, you know, when they're so hyper focused on making it as quick a game as possible. Sure, that there's going to be too many of those. Do you I mean, think the like, robo? Do you think the robo zone seconds, would be fast? I think. I, well, I think if you just go all out, yeah, yeah, then I think it would. It would. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, that could be like, like, like that. It's like really, really fast. The thing that was the most confusing about it, because I liked it, it was super quick, but because the they don't mic up the umps for that, and they don't mm. use it in that moment, you don't know what's going on. It just all of a sudden there's a, a strike zone on the Jumbotron and a ball going to a different part of it, and then they make the call on the field, and it's kind of rapid fire. Yeah. And there's no, like, hey, this is a challenge. Yeah, you almost need, like, the re- like the umpire to go on the PA real quick. This like, is a challenge. challenge. It's a strike. The count is now 0-1. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it would make it so much better. It would. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. Do you want an, a bat or do you want an arm? ahead of today's trade deadline. He's a Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. We'll let you know every trade that is made today while we're on the air. Deadline at 5 o'clock. But let's get to the offensive side of things yesterday. J.P. France, Jonathan Patrick was terrific yesterday. How about the offense opening things up yesterday in the sixth inning? Your thoughts on last night's game as well. It's the Killer Beast on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Do you want to be a millionaire? (laughs) Uh, that's a rhetorical question. The Circa Million and the Circa Survivor are back. $14 million in guaranteed prizes, and there's no rake. Why wouldn't you play this? The biggest football contest in Las Vegas back for their fifth year only at Circa Sports. Head to Circa, enter in Vegas, and the beauty of it, you can play from anywhere. Your couch, work, wherever, because you can play anywhere once you enter in Las Vegas. The Circa Million football contest, $6 million in total prizes. Quarterly payouts, if you're hot in the middle of the season, we'll win there. If you're hot at the end of the season, win there there or just win the whole thing 100 payback no rake where else can you get that only at circa the top prize one million dollars guaranteed you'll pick five teams against the spread weekly and the winner takes home one million dollars if you don't want to play in that one you should play in the circa survivor we've all played survivor pools why not play in the biggest survivor pool that exists their biggest prize pool eight million dollars pick a winner straight up no spread win big if you're the lone survivor $8 million guaranteed to you. Bigger money than ever before. Play today for your share of $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Contest open now. You don't want to miss out. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for more details. Kane is in the building. <laughs> Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. 
All right, Astros offense yesterday. A lot of people uh, getting in on this. 4488, do the Astros deserve some criticism for not bringing up France sooner? Take her kitty spot last year. I mean, you didn't think you needed him at the start of the year. No, you I, lost Garcia. I think that's when everybody started looking into the farm system a little bit more to find out what internal options you might have. But until you lost Garcia and New McCullers was done for the year, you really didn't think you had that desperate of a need to go outside of the the major league roster no you're you're reaching you're reaching if you're looking to criticize the astros for not yeah. bringing up plus he was still tweaking he was he was still learning and then like he says take her spot in the playoffs last year how many times are Arkady pitched in the postseason last year Zero. pitched in one game oh it's right one so, in the like, world series or something and they won the up. world series yeah. so no i'm not criticizing the astros for not bringing up jp france to take jose Arkady's spot like it's and jose Arkady's here for a reason he's here for when you get justin verlander back and he's in the world series and he stinks again then jose Arkady can come <laughs> coming for relief. <laughs> now, Joe, was that necessary? Hey, you should look at him throwing some shots. Yeah, that was just not necessary. We haven't even gotten to that point yet, and there hasn't been the joy and jubilation of welcoming back I can't hero. wait. I can't wait for the JV trade And you're trade already crapping on it. I can't wait. I'm very excited. I think it's a great trade. <laughs> you don't even know what the trade then is. You don't even know what it is. You're willing to give up the farm just because... No. I didn't say I would give up the farm. Joe's usually very... Of the three of us, Joe's the biggest prospect hugger of us. I am. Like, so... I think J- getting JV today would be awesome. It would be awesome. I just don't know how much it's going to cost. It might cost a lot. Well, I I think it really is just going to come down to Crane, but we'll see. Yeah. How much money he wants the Mets to eat. I don't think the Mets care about money. Like, in every single one of these trades the Mets have made, they're sending back a substantial amount of money because they're buying prospects. They that, care about talent. They don't care about money. Yeah, but if Jim Crane says, I'll eat, I'll just take all the money, then it lowers the prospect. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that Cohen's interested in money. Like, he just wants. Steve, when has Steve Cohen ever been interested in saving dollars? I think he's ever using in it. any move that he's ever made. No, since for sure. I, just, I think he's using the eating money as leverage to get better prospects. I think it's going to come down to Jimmy Crane's uh, desire to have his best friend back. Yeah, his, his golf buddy. I think that's where Dana might be willing to say no and pass, and Crane might step in and say, "Let's." I just whatever it takes make it happen yeah I, but i think it's going to be more of a cost from the prospects than it is cash uh zero zero two nine francis changeup is a game changer i think javier needs to use it a little more since his fastball has lost a little uh javier's fastball it's seems not. to be back but i don't disagree i would love for javier and i think it's too late in the season to be tinkering now uh, and maybe it's you know the fact that there's no wbc next year i would love javier to either kind of improve that changeup or, or add a sinker add a sinker to his arsenal that plays with that you know invisible that gives the perception that it's riding up triple zero two what's the better over moniker rich over the hill or jake over easy i don't know how you feel about this blankers but i'm partial to over easy yeah, we, of course we kind of loyal went, we were the ones that did the over easy didn't we yeah yeah so, i'm, I'm yeah. loyal i'm loyal There's to over no, easy everything else is second triple zero two also says rank the best pro sports trade deadlines I think Major League Baseball is one. NFL, I think, has jumped NBA. NFL trade deadline's actually gotten like kind of low-key good now that they've moved it back. I don't know, man. I, I think that NBA, like last year, there was like 13 trades in the last day or so where they just went nuts. I, I mean, I'm obviously, I'm partial to the NBA having worked there so long, too. But I love the NBA trade deadline. I always think the NFL, there's not enough. So I would say it's probably between me, it's between the NBA and baseball. But baseball has been the bigger splashes over the years. Yeah, baseball's bigger splashes. NBA, I just don't feel like you get big names that are on the move. Like, it's active, yep. but not a ton of, like, huge right, names right. or, like, splashy names. Uh, 713-780-3776. Offense came alive yesterday. Good to see Joran Alvarez back. Take that change up over the right field wall. Uh, the Astros are going to win with that four run in the sixth inning. Um, 
I thought Jeremy Pena deserved an assist for that inning. Like, Noah Syndergaard, I know he got hit a little bit. Like, he was getting some hard contact, some lineouts. It seemed like the Astros are flying out to the warning track every single inning. But Noah Syndergaard, while he was pitching, did not give up a run. And then Jeremy Pena hits a rocket off his lower leg. Noah Syndergaard's out of the game. And then four runs later in the sixth inning, you're on your way to a victory. I think we deserve a tip of the cap to Jeremy Pena for not maybe it was maybe it was like a bounty gate situation. Pena was 0 for 3, was hitless in that game, but he knocked out Noah Syndergaard, which led to that four-run sixth. Yeah, I mean, whatever it takes. To me, I was really not feeling real confident about the offense. They had some opportunities early to try and push a run across or two and just didn't do it. Uh, And then I started to worry about the fact that it was going to be one of those nights against a pitcher that we said, and I I was very quick to say, let's be careful, because normally when they're supposed to beat a pitcher that they've had success against, they find a way to not beat that pitcher. But you were right. I mean, the minute you knocked out Noah Syndergaard, the entire tide was turned. Everything changed on a dime. And before you knew it, you were up three runs and you were in total control of the game. So better late than never. Give him some. Give him an assist on that inning. He didn't get a hit for it. Didn't get a hit in the game. But knocked out Noah Syndergaard. A little bounty gate. They should give him a little bit of the uh, kanger, kanger, kangaroo court fines for knocking him out. Uh, you want the good and the bad of Jordan? Sure. Uh, the three-run homer in the sixth inning. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about him hitting in the fifth. What spot, a muscle by shot, the way. too, right? Like, yeah. he didn't really get that, get that. Mm-mm. But yet, that dude is just so freaking brute force strong that he he found a way to get it out. Yeah, he was, uh, that. yeah, like they said it was like one of his lowest exit velocity home runs. I thought off the bat he, like, crushed it, but apparently he didn't. I don't know if it was on the handle like or off the end a little bit. 76 or something like that? Yeah, yeah, he didn't. It wasn't his typical moonshots, but it counts the same. Sure. Uh, the good and bad of Jordan hitting fifth. That's obviously the good. Like, you, you get some ducks on the pond there, hitting in the fifth spot, comes up with the with, you know, runners at, two runners on base, and hits a three-run homer in the sixth inning. Uh, Astros go on to win, yay. The bad spot of Jordan hitting in the fifth inning, how about in the first? Let's turn it back to the first inning. You had second and third, one out in the first inning. Bregman ground out, out number two, and then Jordan hits a you know, fly ball to center field that would have scored the runner had there been less than two outs, but that was the third out. So you got some good and bad of Jordan hitting fifth. The three-run homer in the sixth, but then in the first inning, he's up with two outs, runners at second and third, as opposed to one out, runners second and third. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good observation because I don't think a lot of people thought about that, but the fact is, is this is exactly why the guy – you know, is as we both said, you know, whether it's third or fourth, and I think he should be batting in the first three. I understand the argument of you want him with guys on base. So, you know, if he's not, if there's two outs, you'd rather have him batting to lead off an inning and bat fourth. I want him to get as many at bats as possible. But that is one of those times where if he's not batting as low as Dusty has him as he works his way back in, you probably get a run that inning. And that's one of those, the, the first inning was one of the, the innings that I said, you let Syndergaard off the hook. He didn't look fantastic last night. He looked like he was really shaky in the first inning yeah. where you could have tagged him with a run or two. But we'll see how long Jordan stays there because since he's been back up to the big leagues, he's still hitting the baseball. Yeah, he's uh, he's, he's looking good doing that in the process. A couple of other notes, uh, Andra, uh, Andres Jimenez. He was wearing shades yesterday inside of a domed stadium. I know they weren't on his face, but they're on the back of his hat. What are you doing? Why are you wearing? Why are shades on your hat inside of a, a closed roof? I didn't pay that much attention. It's ridiculous. What I are would we say doing? That's probably after BP or something like that, because you you know early on, and Lisa and I were talking about this the other day when the roof is shut and it's still daylight. They need to do something about whether there's like a shade or a tint for the windows. Sometimes there was a massive amount of sunlight in on the Astros dugout, heating it up. And in the faces of a lot of players, even on the field, that it's like, wow, I can understand it. But maybe after BP, he forgot to take him off. And it's okay for one inning. But if they stay there, eh, it's a flex look. 
<laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I think you might be making excuses for him, Jimenez. BP, they're still, the roof was still closed. Trying to find an answer for I you. I, I, I know you were. It. I, I, I think it's probably it. the best answer you could find. My goodness. <laughs> it just blew my mind. Like, what is this guy doing? All right, 713-780-ESPN. Uh, Dusty Baker had comments yesterday, 24 hours ahead of the trade deadline. He's throwing the suits in the front office under the bus. He's pulling a Dallas Keuchel. How did we feel about this? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, boy. Uh, Dusty Baker yesterday. Did you catch the uh, the soundbite that he had? 24 hours-ish ahead of the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Astros have traded for a reliever in Kendall Graveman. And, and Dusty Baker doesn't sound too satisfied with Dana Brown. He got his own of that. You have no choice because that's out of your control. The only thing in your control is is, is our game here. You know, um, I mean, I'd be wouldn't be you, and if I said it's not a little disheartening to see, you know, but I'm hoping my team, you know, doesn't get disheartened by that. And I'm sure a lot of guys on the team are probably happy by that, you know, not to not to have to move, but, you know, right now uh, we just got to go play, and uh, you know, I can't do anything about the trade deadline. We've been talking about this trade deadline since spring training, you know, and so it's finally here in a, in a few hours, and, uh, you know, we'll see what's happening. Who's, got been, his own. who's been talking about the deadline since West Palm Beach and spring training? Do you remember it, anybody talking about the deadline no, since then? He was, he was in spring training bitching about the fact that they didn't get a starting pitcher. And everybody was like, well, what, wait a minute. We've got a lot of starting pitching, and that was before all the injuries and everything like that. But, yeah, no trade deadline. What do you, what do you make of the comments there from the Astros skipper? Uh, I think that you're definitely right. He sent a message to the powers that be, whether it be Jim Crane as part of that, Jeff Bagwell as part of that, uh, and Dana Brown's staff uh, with Dana saying they, he desperately, you know, he, he wants something done. He, ex- he expects something done, and he is pointing the fingers at who needs to get something done. So we'll see. I don't think that to Dusty, the way the quotes went and how Dusty was continuing with his media session, I don't think anybody in the clubhouse got their feathers ruffled or got concerned because the Rangers went crazy because they know how good their team is. But at the same time, I think everybody would like to see an upgrade that helps this team. Um, I have a lot of comments about this. Uh, the Astros just traded for Kendall Graven like two days before Dusty Baker made these comments. Uh, secondly, the Astros won the World Series last year, and they have won. And I know that all the players were here in seventeen as well. They've won two titles in the last six years. I don't think that clubhouse is disheartened by any of the moves that have been made around the division. Also, I think it's bush league from Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker, the day before, in that same dugout, talking to the same media members, said that he's tired of having to have other people manage his team. Dusty Baker, 24 hours, whatever, a day before he made those comments yesterday, was telling everybody that he's tired of people trying to manage his team, and then less than 24 hours later, he's telling Dana Brown how to general manage his team. Yeah, I mean, look. But <laughs> it's ridiculous. But, but, Jeremy, you know, it's, it's like the example I, I gave you in spring training. This isn't the first time from Dusty that Dusty's going to Dusty. He's going to air it out. He's going to do it his way. He's going to speak his mind. That's what Dusty does, and this is just the latest example of Dusty, who has no fears in the world and nothing to lose, 
just deciding to put it out there that you can pretty much either read between the lines or understand it. And probably a follow-up question maybe would have given you more. But you understand what he wants done. He wants another move or two done. He wants, obviously, every opportunity to have the best team possible after the trade deadline. And he's expecting that something else gets done. Four four eight eight. Yeah, I mean, I think it's ridiculous to to be you know saying that we need to do more. Basically, like his way to send a message at the front office and then to, to, to contradict that because I mean, he sounds like a hypocrite. Two days before, two days ago, he was saying that he wants people to stop managing his team, but you know the GM needs to do more, and the club is just disheartened by all these moves that these other clubs are, are making. Uh, the Rangers tra- trading for Mid Scherzer is so disheartening to the defending World Series champions. The Angels trading for you know a couple of above average starters is just so disheartening for the Houston Astros. I, I just didn't like that soundbite from Dusty Baker, even though he has done a good job this year with what he has had. Uh, 4488 also says that Dusty sent a message to the team that they aren't good enough. Look, <laughs> that's not a bad point. Like, if you're sitting here crying about not making a trade, when there's still 24 hours left before the deadline, by the way, when he made these comments, there's still work to be done. There's still possibilities and fish that are out there that maybe could get on the line. You're sending the message that they're disheartened and that you're upset that there hasn't been more done to this point. I think it's ridiculous from Dusty Baker. I just I don't think that anyone in that clubhouse is disheartened at this point. I don't either. Yeah, I think that that was just a bunch of fodder and BS that Dusty decided to throw out there to try and give a little extra to his comments to try and make people take notice. And maybe if he thought that it would might do something to light an extra fire under those guys. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind those guys are taking every call and, and weighing every opportunity and trying to make deals happen. Dusty making those comments isn't helping anybody do anything quicker, better, or get more results. No. The Dallas. Oh. Paul DeJong from the Cardinals to the Blue Jays. All right. They get a little infield depth. Um, I wonder if this is a move because Bichette. Did he leave the game yesterday? I saw he got yeah. hurt. I thought he left yeah, the game. He did. And they said knee discomfort, but the way it looked and the way it happened where he kind of put the brakes on rounding first base, and that's when he felt the knee grab. That's never a good sign. So it looked, I see. I didn't see the video. I just saw yeah. I saw the tweet that he pulled he, up around the bases. He rounded and took a look at second. You know how you sometimes take like a half half sprint start to second? Yeah, just a little turn and look. And then quick, quickly popped him down on the turf and just went, oh, and he pulled it up immediately. Non-contact. And, and pulled the knee, right, and just like a football non-contact. Pulled the knee up off the turf, and I thought, uh-oh. That sounds ACL-y. It, sa- it sounded like meniscus-y, and if you go that far, yeah, it could be the next step. This definitely sounds like a move they made just because of Bichette. Even if it's like a, a six-week injury, like you're trading for a shortstop. DeYoung's been okay in his career. He's been awful this year. He's he Actually, he's never really hit a whole lot, but he plays a good defense. So the, all they're getting back is DeYoung. The Blue Jays getting yeah, DeYoung. Yeah, so far we that's all heard of, officially uh, reported. They're probably not sending a lot for DeYoung. I would imagine it's probably like a prospect or two that really aren't you know, great, probably top 100 prospects. Uh, but it's active. It's been an active trade deadline. Even though there's not a whole lot of sellers, these buyers are finding some guys that uh, that uh, some of these teams are, are willing to move, that they're willing to trade. We'll see if the Astros get something done. Um, well, again, we're going to give you every single trade that happens today. 8924, what's disheartening is not having Diaz and Chaz in the lineup every day. See, this. here's here's the two sides of the Dusty Baker. Like, I think we're very fair with Dusty Baker. I, I started off... Before I went in on Dusty Baker's Bush League comments, uh, telling Dana Brown how to do his job a day after he told everybody not to do his job for him, he's contradicting himself, Dusty Baker is. 
But I started it off by saying Dusty Baker's done a great job this year. All the injuries that the Astros have had from Jordan to Altuve, losing half of his six-man rotation for a significant amount of time, two of them for the entire year. Dusty's done a great job to have the Houston Astros a half game out of the division. 60-30. Here we go, guys. Bash Dusty day. Dusty's not wrong at all. There's been, uh, there has not been any moves to help the lineup. But Crane will move mountains to get his golfing buddy back. Then you have 8924. What's disheartening is not having Diaz and Chaz in the lineup every day. So, like, Dusty Baker is a very polarizing conversation in the city of Houston. Either you really love Dusty Baker and you defend Dusty Baker tooth and nail, or you think that the Astros win despite of Dusty Baker and that he can't be gone soon enough. There is very, le- there is very little dialogue in the middle. It's either the extreme to the left, the extreme to the right when it comes to Dusty Baker. There's no question about it. And, he, you know, I think Dusty won a lot of people over by winning the World Series last year. And and as much as we do call it like we see it, both regular season and playoffs, and I said, look, I had a lot of problems with a lot of things he did in the regular season a year ago, but I said as long as he doesn't do it in the playoffs, then I'll be fine. He managed his tail off and did it the right way in the playoffs. They got a World Series. I gave him full credit. That doesn't mean that new year, new roster, new season don't raise more questions and new issues that need to be discussed. We had people on here wondering why Joe Espada hasn't been texting us. I thought Joe Espada was already supposed to be you know, the manager in waiting. Okay, we're not even going that far. We're just saying doing something like Dusty did, which he's done in the past, at a time when you know Dana Brown isn't sitting on his thumbs and just screwing around. Right. <laughs> it's like it wasn't needed. It wasn't necessary. No. Uh, 1509, what's disheartening is no mound visits from Correa. That's a great point. We can never have enough of those. Uh, 7554, why make, why make trades when he won't play them? Last year they got a first baseman and catcher and he refused to play them. I understand it. Now, Trey Mancini and Christian Vasquez didn't necessarily force Dusty Baker's hand. Uh, when they were traded to the Astros, Mancini hit a couple of dongs early in his Astro tenure, uh, but was not hitting the baseball. Vasquez never hit the memorable baseball. memorable play at first base when you needed him most in the World Series. He did. But other than that, was a little bit disappointing. He smothered that baseball like I smother Twinkies. He just laid right on top of it. I don't know if that analogy makes any I sense. I mean, you know, and Vasquez does, was the guy Twinkies, that I really... Jeremy? I don't even like Twinkies. I don't know why. I said that. <laughs> but you know what? Even if you bought some like 10 years ago and had them in your pantry, they're still good. I do oh, for real. They don't yeah. go bad. No, they don't. <laughs> the chemicals in it keep yeah, it good they forever. Said. They did some studies. Yeah, that's healthy. Yeah. yeah, Twinkies are one of those foods that you yeah. buy for like the zombie apocalypse. Yep. Yeah, because that's the the, uh, the nutrition that you need. I, Mancini smothered that hard one hopper the same way I smothered Gentle Ben Vodka I was Gin and say, Bourbon. Uh, Panda, but. That's a good point, too. Eat Love it every Panda day. Express. Panda Express is so good. It smacks. 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Ryan from Angleton. You're in the hive of the Killer Bees. What's up, Ryan? What's going on, fellas? So I tried to ask this question on the White House yesterday, but they took it the wrong way, or maybe I didn't word it right. Okay, so other than JB, what is the biggest splash the Astros can make today? Thank you. Appreciate it, Ryan. Did he just call them the White House? He's not wrong. That's so funny. Wow. We have 3% here. I don't think the White House has I'm going to send that to Frank. He's going to use that. (laughs) The White House. (laughs) Was that Ryan or Sarge? Um, I mean, what is the biggest splash? Maybe... Juan Soto. (laughs) Yeah, that could... Yeah, I mean, if you believe those wild odds we got. No, I I think that if you're looking at maybe Eduardo Rodriguez from Um, the Tigers... 
Yeah, I don't know if that's super splashy, but that's like another big starter that's out there. I would say Rodriguez think, is the splashier of the two Tiger options. Like yeah. I think Rodriguez would be splashier than Lorenzen. Lorenzen yeah. It seems like Rodriguez is going to go to the Dodgers. Were, the Dodgers are on his 10-team no-trade list, so they're working through that right now. But I can't imagine he wouldn't go there. He yeah, just hates the bright lights of Hollywood. there for a couple of years in Southern now he, California. Now, he can also opt out of his deal. Rodriguez yeah, right. has an opt-out. Right. So, right. like, he could either lock in three more years of, like, 40-something million, or he could uh, opt out and be a free agent. Yeah. So, it's like, eh, it would make sense for him to make that uh, that move. Um, like, if Shane Bieber was question. healthy... Yeah, that would be a splashy name. That would name. be a splashy name, but he's not healthy. See, I don't think there's a lot of splashy names on the market. Like and like Cody Bellinger, Cubs are winning. They're not going to they're not going to trade him. The Juan Soto Vegas odds. Like they're not the Padres are buyers today. Yep. Uh, they're not going to trade Juan Cubs. Soto and the Astros don't have enough to trade for a Juan Soto. Um I'm I, trying to think of like a French I mean, seller. How about like The reports have changed out of, out of from the White Sox is that they're they're listing on everyone besides Luis Robert. So Cease would be Cease would be a splash. He'd be the biggest splash. He'd be above JV. Um, I don't I think, think so from a cachet client point think of so. view, but from a production value type of thing, I would agree. An age, you know, two yeah. and a half years versus... Uh, like, if if you told me that the Astros are going to trade Drew Gilbert and then, like, two of your top five prospects for a pitcher, and one was Justin Verlander, one was Dylan Cease, I, I'd rather have Cease. Now, Justin Verlander would give you more clicks and impressions and retweets on Twitter. On your headlines. So it depends on how you're looking at it. Uh, seven, but that's a good name. Cease, maybe. Or like one of these fringe teams that we didn't think were going to be sellers that are sellers. Like the Mariners seem to be selling. I don't know if they would trade in division. But like you don't need Ty France. Like maybe take Oscar Hernandez. Like if you get in the mix there, they're apparently shopping him. Uh, I'm trying to think of a bat that would be a I mean, significant they would trade name. In, but they would trade in division. They take Graveman. That's true. That's a good point. Um, yeah, you and I were talking about before the show. There's not really splashy bats. Maybe like Bernard from Pittsburgh. Maybe that like that wouldn't be a splashy name though. Mm-mm. But that would be a significant trade because he's probably the best relief arm uh, on the market. So I, I guess it depends on what way you're looking at it. It's a really good question. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line. Make sure you're listening to the White House from three to seven. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. We kind of got into the smoke there with Justin Verlander. What are we hearing? That is the latest on Jade V. Trade deadline watch fully underway. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. You're trying to lose weight, maybe about up to six pounds a week, but you really don't have time to go to the gym and do all the other things that may or may not work for you. Well, they have FDA-approved semi-glutide now at Apollo Men's Health for both men and women, and you can get involved in it. You can see how it works. You can get it done and, and try your best but understand dieting alone if it ain't working for you you can lose weight thanks to apollo men's health want to get on a workout program want to recover quicker hgh peptide therapy is available want to get a a full body composition analysis so that you can understand uh, that these are your numbers when you start out and then get another analysis every couple of weeks and find out when your body fat numbers go down when your muscle mass goes up and all the important numbers make sense to you that's a great way to chart your progress You need energy on a daily basis. You're not trying to win a gold medal. You're trying to win the day, get everything done that you need to get done, and it's not happening for you. They have ways to give you more energy on a consistent basis, and men and women are in the lobby all the time telling me how grateful they are that they go to Apollo Men's Health and get more energy on the regular because of the people there. Check them out today. Go to their website. Go to ApolloMH.com. See all the services they offer, and if there's a few that make sense to you, sign up for your first appointment. Most major insurance is accepted discounts for military personnel and first responders. Mention my name, Joel Blank. Get a free B12 shot or body composition analysis on your first official visit. Let the process go from there. 
Answer their questions. Tell them where you're lacking. Tell them where you, where you want to improve. They'll put you on a program that works. They'll get you the results you need. Good people doing great things on a daily basis. Go see my friends at Apollo Men's Health. Hey, Houston, you're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. We have a major development, major development. I hope you're sitting down for this. The tuna salad from the vending machine is all gone. It's Joe, gone. have you been hungry? If you've, uh, not, you've not been a, an avid listener to the Killer Bees, you should have been. What's wrong with you? If you've missed that bit, Joe George tried vending machine tuna on the air two months ago. Yeah. Two least, months. If not more. Yeah. yeah. At least that long. And I we noticed that there were still seven vending machine tunas left in the vending machine. About three weeks ago, there was three. Just looked in the vending machine today out of morbid curiosity, and they're completely gone. Now, the question is, are they gone because they've been eaten? Or are they gone because they the weren't in high people, demand and they took it away? Yeah, maybe maybe it starts stinking a little bit. Yeah, does it does it spoil at a certain point? I would hope in there too long. I would hope that it would. I would hope that tuna fish I with a little we, bit of mayonnaise in there would spoil. I thought we looked at it; and it was like a, it was like three years. Yeah, like we did fake check tuna. the expired date. Then, didn't it, we? then it can't be real tuna, right? No, tuna's another one of those. It's the mayo that's not the real part. So tuna that you catch from the sea can last for three years in a vending machine. Tuna is one of those things that they say you store with. Your Twinkies for an apocalypse. Then this is fake tuna. You're not catching it out of the sea. Nothing that comes out of the sea you can put in a vending machine and it'd be good in three years. They pr- put preservatives in 1, there, I'm sure. 1,000 days later. Uh, tuna, probably. Fish, tuna fish that you catch in the sea still good. My theory would be that there's been some staffing changes on the uh, the national network <laughs> side with producers. And oh. so I think there might be maybe one of those producers getting hungry. Interesting. There's, now, that there's someone there 24-7, so they're here overnights. So they might be their only snack option. Overnight, that vending machine and the choice that you make is the tuna. If you need something a little more filling. Mm. People Even are, if you're on a protein kick, I don't think that's the choice. People are sending us some weird text messages about tuna and Twinkies that I don't think I want to read. Stop mm. sending those. 713-780-3776. So the Astros, are, are were they still hot and heavy on Justin Verlander? The latest report is that they worked long into the night yesterday and that basically the Astros are not too pleased with the prospects that the Mets are demanding. Where, where do we think that this stands? What do we think uh, where Justin Verlander ends up? Well, I, I mean, I'm hoping, and I know that we have conflicting opinions on this, but I'm hoping that if it comes down to JV just basically saying, I either want to stay here or I want to go to Houston, that Houston will have a little bit more control in the situation, maybe a little more bargaining power. But otherwise, it's going to be a push-comes-to-shove chicken match that's probably going to go down to the final minutes again because of the fact that I don't think the Astros should want to part with Drew Gilbert as part of this deal. And I'm sure that the Mets, the rumors are that they've been focused on trying to get him, if not the top two prospects in the Astros' farm system. And I think that's a very steep price to pay for a team that's getting you know Justin Verlander at his age and price tag back no matter how much the Mets eat in salary. So... I hope the the Astros don't become pushovers and they play a little bit hardball here. And I hope that they can find out from JV, too, that if the Dodgers and the Orioles and other teams aren't also on the possible trade list for him, Mm -hmm. and he just says it's either Houston or I'm staying, that would be most beneficial for the Astros. Verlander playing poker would be very beneficial for the Astros. I'm going to give Dana Brown credit that he is playing poker. 
Because I think if Dana Brown was going to give in to the Mets request, I think a trade would have already been done. I think it would have already happened. And we saw reports come out yesterday, like the exact same time, like Ken Rosenthal, maybe it was Heyman, maybe it was Nightingale, I can't remember. And then like Ben Verlander talked about how, how you know hot the, the stove was. I think that that stuff has been leaked from the Mets trying to extract the biggest prospect return that they sure. can get from the Astros specifically. Did you see what Verlander did too? He Ben Verlander? Yeah. Where he put out just the picture of him holding an egg. No, and I he, did not he see goes, that. He goes, it doesn't matter what I tweet at this point because I will put out a picture of me holding an egg and I will get 500 responses from Astros fans and, and <laughs> wanting to know where my brother's going. It's funny because I saw he did a podcast on, like, did the Mets sell too early? And it's like, that seems a little bit like... You know, maybe maybe be would, doing that. Also, maybe he had a conversation with Justin and then decided to put it out there. Yeah. But, you know, last time when we had him on our show before we got bought out by, you know, a desperation across the, the, the city a little bit, um, he came on our show. And right after that, he basically told us what was going down or handed around. And Justin was a was an Astro. That video did numbers. It did. It did numbers for the social team. Huge, huge. Killer bees do numbers. What we do. Um. You bring up like the financial thing. We we do disagree on that because Steve Cohen, every move he's made as an owner, like he he's never really shown to be like fearful of spending money. And I think that's part of what he's wanting to do right now. Like the Max Scherzer, he ate like half of that contract because he wanted the better prospect. Even in the can of trade to Milwaukee, he ate a decent amount of the can of money. I think that Cohen's trying to buy prospects. Quite honestly, I think that he would be willing to spend money to pay Verlander's contract but increase the return for the Astros. I do agree that there's a ratio there. Like how much the Mets eat a Verlander salary means the better prospect. How few of the Verlander dollars they eat, uh, the lesser prospect. I do think there's a ratio and a sliding scale there, but I think Cohen's desire is to bring in the best players he can to his organization. And I feel like he's aggressive, especially when it comes to the dollar. He was aggressive in the Scherzer trade, ate a huge amount of that salary to get a top 100 prospect back, and Ronald Acuna's brother. Even in the Canna trade, he ate a significant uh, amount of Cano's money. Uh, He spent on Scherzer. He spent on Verlander. So I don't think that he's trying to save dollars. Now, the question I would have for you, though, is if you're Dana Brown, if you're Jim Crane, do you really want to spend top dollar and save on Drew Gilbert, who's not a top 100 prospect, though? Because if you do trade for Verlander and you don't get money in return, that takes you to luxury tax territory. That puts you over the competitive balance tax. I'm of the opinion that Jim Crane especially, not Dana Brown. Dana Brown would rather spend Jim Crane's money than give up Drew Gilbert. But Jim Crane, I believe, rather trade Drew Gilbert than pay the luxury tax. I think you're right. And I think that as much as Dana Brown was out there on radio and TV on their flagships, basically saying Jim handed me the steering wheel and said, here, drive, do what you got to do. You're giving him free reign, saying all the right things, talking about how much the owner is letting him do his thing. At a certain point, especially with th- times like this, Jim Crane is going to put his head back in the room. He's going to peek his head back into the room. He's going to make his voice heard. He's going to have an opinion. And he's probably at a certain point going to direct the conversation the way he wants it to go. To me, the interesting thing is is just that money aspect from the standpoint of, one, you're right. He's never wanted to even tiptoe close to that line of pay- paying the tax. And two... Because of with the Cone situation, I think the one thing Cone wants to do, you're right, he's not cheap, he's not afraid to spend money, but I think that he also realizes that in order to reload and spend again and go after another round of big money targeted free agent type players, he's going to at least need to recoup some of, like he did with Scherzer, and some of what he's paying Verlander so that he can go at it again and continue to try and compete 
with not only the Yankees, but make the playoffs and do the things that he's basically promised since he took over the team. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776, old man, uh, your managing is disheartening. I, I think that Verlander is going to land on one or two teams. I think he's either going to be a Houston Astro or I think he's going to be a New York Met. I think those are the only two teams that Justin Verlander will play for. I think that he is playing a little bit of poker with the Mets. Now, I don't think the Mets are going to trade him just to trade him. Like I think they're going to need a significant return. And quite frankly, I think at minimum, it's Drew Gilbert. I don't think the Mets trade Justin Verlander if they don't get Drew Gilbert in return. Then maybe it doesn't happen because I think that's too much to ask of the Astros. I think and or the dollar amount better be really, really they got, significant. They got more for Scherzer. They did. Than what Drew Gilbert would be for Verlander. And Verlander's been better than Max Scherzer. Yeah, but Scherzer didn't have the kind of say-so that Verlander does. Where Ver, he, he had a no trade, but I think it was he already had put the teams out there. Well, no, he had to. they made that trade, and then Scherzer had to give it to He had approval. to give it to the Rangers. Yeah. But I just think from this situation, maybe Scherzer was open to more teams. It just seems to me that the, the big deciding factor is going to be if Verlander just puts his foot down and says it's either there or here, and then and then Dana gets word of it enough to basically say, hey, look, if you truly want to move him and you want to do what you need to do, this is all we're willing to offer. We either got a deal or we don't. Like I said, it's going to come down to playing chicken and, and seeing who, who blinks first. I think that the Mets would be willing to keep Verlander, though. I, I think I don't think the, the Mets are going to feel threatened to keep Verlander on their roster. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Out to the HRP listener line, Chris. You're in the hive of the Killer Bees. Up, Chris. Yeah, hey guys. I don't think it's a secret that Dusty and uh, Dana Brown aren't getting along. This isn't the first time that Dusty has said something about Dana and vice versa through the media. You know, what I think is going on is we all know that Dusty has a say-so and what, what happens with these trades. Last year, he mixed the trade for the catcher from the Cubs. I think what's going on is Dusty is wanting to part ways with more than what Dana Brown and possibly Crane are willing to part ways with. And he's pissed off, so he's saying what he's saying about Dana Brown. You know, I think Dusty knows that his time is limited. And he wants to uh, make moves similar to uh, what the Texans coach did with our roster, you know, <laughs> trading our wide receiver like he did. So uh, I think Dana Brown's looking further down the road than what Dusty wants to, and uh, you know, so I, that's what I think is going on. Appreciate hey, Jeremy. It. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, Chris. Okay, sorry. Hey, real quick. Whenever, whenever I brought up her key to you earlier, JP taking her key spot, I wasn't even talking about playoffs. I was talking about the regular season. I just think maybe JP could have come up sooner. That's all. That's all I was saying. It you makes know? sense. It makes sense. It makes sense, Chris. I understand where you're coming from. We're up against it. Sorry, Chris. I knew it all along, Chris. But, I had your back. I felt that. <laughs> but all's well that ends well. I mean, the Astros season went just fine last year. They finished with the best record in the American League. They won the World Series. I don't think we can be critical of uh, of France. And I think you do bring up a good point, too, about Dusty's more win now and Dana Brown's more sustained winner. I think it's a really good point. 713-780-ESPN. We can continue this conversation if you want. 713-780-3776. Also, happy anniversary to the Los Angeles. 